Come on in, guys. Welcome to the Sit Out Bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two friends from the Midlands who are absolutely diehard Survivor fans. We're excited for you to join us for pre season, in season, and post season content focusing on Survivor UK. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, follow us, interact with us, and definitely give us a five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to the pod. On today's episode, we'll be recapping episode 13 and 14. So take your spot on the sit-out bench and let's get started. Matt, what a weekend. Absolutely brilliant to be back together talking about Survivor UK. How are you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm really excited to be uh, back today talking more Survivor. Had a very uh, chaotic day. Wasn't sure whether I was going to make it tonight because <laughs> uh, the back of my fish tank filter exploded and flooded the kitchen. So spent hours with all the towels in the house, <laughs> mopping up all the water on the floor. So yeah, and, and that was in the middle of trying to do the Christmas tree in the living room, which I still haven't finished. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So it's been it's been a long day. <laughs> for, for a man who bought a secondary Christmas tree back in November, you're creating a lot of excuses not to finish here. Are you sure you I didn't am. plant the, the uh, fish tank explosion? Yeah, just <laughs> set it to explode. You know? <laughs> <laughs> who needs fish at Christmas time? <laughs> <laughs> a fish is for life, but just not for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we retreated this week to two absolutely standout episodes of Survivor UK, episode 13 and 14. We're going to go through in real detail, but a high level, Matt, how did you feel about these two episodes? This week was, I don't want to say less strategic because strategy was still there, luckily, which I was really (laughs) pleased about. But it it wasn't as strong uh, as in strategic moves and big blindsides. But what we did get was quite a few good moments. And episode 13 had what I think this season will be remembered for the most iconic moment so far where Matthew <laughs> leaves the lobster trap unlocked and just puts the padlock on it. Oh, okay. fantastic. It's that one shot that they just show when they're like, oh yeah, we've got the idol and then they go back and they show the shot. I was just like, no. Nah. Yes. <laughs> it's definitely the moment that's going to be remembered. You're right throughout the season. Survivor players from now till the end of time will be double checking every padlock. Yes. <laughs> 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 it did really to me have that sense of kind of that it's messy and there's lots of mistakes in terms of gameplay yeah but it was really entertaining so i i know we put something out on our instagram to me it's just like a nativity i'm going to go see my daughter's nativity this coming thursday and what's going to make it funny is you know a kid's going to forget their lines Someone else is going to think they're a sheep or a donkey and start talking. (laughs) Someone's going to cry and call out for their parents. And those are the kind of messy moments that make it fun. And that's what it felt like to me, to be honest. Just messy fun. Yeah, absolutely. For me, as long as there's some level of strategy, I don't really mind whether it's terrible strategy or good strategy. Some of of the most chaotic seasons are some of my my favourites of International Survivor. So I'm well here for the mess that was created in these episodes. (laughs) And it felt really good online again. There's a nice buzz about it. It feels like everything's really picking up in terms of momentum as we head into Endgame. And we should have referenced, actually, these are the penultimate episodes. We had our last Sunday episode of Survivor. I can't believe it's it's gone this quick. No, same. It, it has felt like a, a marathon in these early weeks and then a sprint as we've gotten into the merge episodes. It's gone so fast and 
yeah, it's a shame that the, the hype has only started to really build, you know, towards the end of the game. But hopefully people can see, you know, when they look back on the season, how great it's been. I finally got around to listening to um, the other podcast with the Survivor producers. Hearing their perspective on why they chose to do certain things, it does make a lot of sense. And obviously, I think they understand that it's frustrating for people who are big fans of Survivor and have watched all of the other seasons. But I understand that they're wanting to ease the uh, the British public in who've never seen Survivor before. So hopefully they've managed to do that and we do get a good audience moving forward and hopefully a second season. Definitely. That still doesn't forgive them of Tree Mail, though. <laughs> there's a bit in that interview where um, they talk about Tree Mail and apparently one of the, the people really wanted to do Tree Mail. They were like, why not? Clearly wasn't you. <laughs> did they show Tree Mail this week? I feel like they didn't really. They did, yeah. They couldn't leave it out. They had a shot of someone just pulling the scroll from the wooden letterbox. Luckily, they didn't stop and have someone read it, but yeah, added no value, but they can't let go of, <laughs> of a bad thing. I mean, look, I'm fine with them including a shot to show us that that's how they got it, but as long as it's not a 10-minute segment, I'm good. <laughs> Agreed. Well, let's get into it then. Before we go scene by scene, we're going to play everybody's favourite game, Pick Your Poison. For those who are new to the show... <laughs> For those who are new to the show, you started making this up last week. (laughs) For those who aren't familiar with Pick Your Poison, I'm going to present Matt with three potential options in a scenario. And after reviewing all the criteria, Matt is going to have to pick one of those options. We talked about how there were lots of mistakes made in episode 13. And so I'm going to outline for you three different options and ask you to pick who made the biggest mistakes in episode 13. So this isn't specifically to Nathan or Lawrence, this is just in general. Yeah, so I'm going to give you three people and the mistakes they made and then you need to choose which person made the biggest mistakes. There is okay. no secret door on this, okay? You have to choose have to one, pick of one of the three options. Alright, I'm ready. Okay, option number one is Nathan, episode 13. After finding an immunity idol, Nathan immediately <laughs> told Lawrence and Hannah, um, showing it to them quite blatantly. And let's be honest, it wasn't really a great strategic move. Word quickly got around the entire camp that he had the idol. Then at Tribal Council, Nathan told everybody openly that he was planning a final three with himself, Matty, and Tanuke, leaving both Leilani in disbelief and also an opening for Chris. To absolutely destroy him <laughs> in terms of his strategic <laughs> gameplay. Also, this episode, Nathan incorrectly played his idol, so he played an idol when no votes were cast against him. So there's option number one, Nathan. Option two, we've talked about it already, Matthew. Um, failing to lock the door properly on the lobster cage and essentially giving away an idol <laughs> to Nathan. <laughs> the other mistake that he made in episode 13 was trying to orchestrate a split vote in a consensus group. So of the seven people left, they had already picked one primary target, Nathan. And when they started thinking about who the secondary target should be, Matthew gathered together all of the other six players (laughs) and said who is going to be the other person. Um, Not his greatest strategic move. And we can also throw in there the episode 13 decision at Tribal Council to tell Tanuke that he was really disappointed that she went home after he voted her out. Option number two, that's Matthew. Option number three here is kind of a soft one. It's Lawrence and Leilani together. 
And the mistake that they've made in episode 13 is just really not doing anything um, and not, not taking the time to cement a firm plan to decide what happens if people vote a different way. So those are your options, Nathan, Matthew, or Lawrence and Leilani. Matt, pick your poison. This one's hard, right? Because Nathan telling about his idol is a bad move. Revealing we have the final three at Tribal Council is a bad move. Incorrectly playing the idol, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad move. I think he had to play it, given the, the circumstances. You know, he was pretty sure that he was going to get votes. He was being told he was going to get votes. Not playing it only results in you know, what we've seen on Survivor 45 in the past couple of weeks. But the thing about Nathan's is he was a target and would have continued to be a target regardless of whether those things happened. So although I think they were bad moves, did they necessarily cause his lifespan to be shorter in the game? I don't think so. Obviously, the negative about revealing the final three is that Leilani's pissed off at him, but she's still voting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But she still voted for Christopher over Nathan in that second tribal council, so that didn't affect that. Telling everyone about his idol got the target off of him, regardless of whether he correctly played that idol or not. So I don't think that's necessarily the worst move in the world. So Nathan Wall didn't play optimally. I don't think... I mean, there was definitely more he could have done, but in the, specifically surrounding these things... I don't think there was anything more that he could have done there. Matt, obviously, failing to lock the idol away properly. (laughs) Oh, dear. I mean, (laughs) great TV. I mean, it's not even as if he made a strategic mistake there, though. Like, he literally just did a dum-dum. So I'm not sure, because he was going to give that idol to Chris. So Chris not having that idol can only be a good thing for Matthew, in my opinion. And that's mainly because of... Hannah and Peg, obviously, seemingly being in some sort of control now. I think you don't really take out Leilani for any reason. So I think if Chris is safe, they're going to go for Matthew. So I actually think he indirectly helped himself there by not allowing Chris to have that idol. Uh, the split vote consensus with everyone there. <laughs> really funny again. <laughs> a, I'm going to talk about a bit about Matthew later, because there was a lot of good stuff about hiding his threat level and act playing a little bit dumb, which I really liked. I'm not sure whether he was playing dumb by doing the, the split vote with everyone there, or whether it was a genuine mistake. You know, like he was talking to a couple of people he was aligned with. Maybe he didn't look around him and realise, oh, everyone's not here with me. Like, that was a stupid thing to say. Not sure that those are the most, worst moves made across this episode. I can't believe you're about to do this. If you're... <laughs> what? Are you about to choose Lawrence and Leilani? Um, so I want to give Leilani a little bit of a, a reprieve here. And actually, the first thing I'm going to say made the worst move is Lawrence. And that's because not only does he not cement a plan to try and save himself, but he actively tells Matthew that Nathan was going to write his name down. Everyone was going to vote Nathan anyway. Nathan was going to play the idol. And then obviously someone else was going to go home. By Lawrence telling Matthew that Nathan's writing Matthew's name down, Matthew then has incentive to not write Nathan's name down at all, and that's what we see happen. We, they get that time to work out who's the person that we actually want to go home. Lawrence is the most dispensable. Let's get rid of Lawrence. And I also think another thing that you can throw in there with Lawrence playing the worst over these episodes is, at first I thought it was quite smart that he told them before the Tanuko tribal that he was going to vote for Peg on a non-strategic whim, but... Then we find out that Nathan has either been told that Lawrence was a part of the plan or just doesn't believe it. And clearly that completely fell through as well. So I think Lawrence probably played the worst across these episodes. 
Wow. That is a strong take. I put in there <laughs> Lawrence and Leilani as a soft third that I thought you would easily dismiss. <laughs> the answer is clearly Nathan. No, like the others made way more mistakes, don't get me wrong, but I think those mistakes impacted them less than Lawrence's did. I think Nathan's poor gameplay in episode 13, there's a direct, bold, red line in aerial size 112 that points to his exit in episode 14. I agree, but also he was going anyway. Like <laughs> I said last week, there's no way Nathan saw his next weekend. Like He, he was done, and the idol only helped him, otherwise he'd have gone in 13. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get into it as we go through the two episodes. This will be our Spotify poll question. Make sure you take part. You know, Pick your poison. Who do you think made the biggest mistakes? Let's get into it then. Episode 13. And we start off on day 27 with a fallout. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been able to decipher any meaning behind the uh, timestamps they're giving? Well, I was going to say it's always 608. And then in 14, it was 627. I was like, oh, there goes my theory of the (laughs) the 608 conspiracy. (laughs) Everything exciting happens at six and eight on Survivor. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever watched um, Ink Master, but there's this uh, scene once where there's an individual who tattoos clocks. So obviously in Ink Master, the goal is to tattoo different designs and different styles onto people's body. And at one point, this artist is given a challenge to tattoo a clock on someone's arm. And he puts in the time, I think it's 12.03. And the judges come along and they say, oh, you know, why did you put 1203? Is that something that was meaningful to the canvas? You know, what does that, you know, what's the symbolic nature of that? And the guy says, no, that's the time I was born. (laughs) 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 He was tattooing his own time of birth into all of the people, (laughs) which which is a gross and like vanity thing. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe one of the producers was born at 608. And so they're just constantly giving a silent prop to their mum Good job. 608 was yeah. a great time. <laughs> and they've been informed they made a mistake, so that's why it switches to 627. <laughs> One of the things I found really strange about this episode is we know from previous episodes of Survivor UK that they have the ability to do night... I'm going to say night vision here. There's probably a more uh, correct word. But I can't believe that on day 26, when Tanuke is voted out, that no one comes back from that tribal council and doesn't want to have a conversation or doesn't want to have an argument. But instead, they all universally decide to sleep on it and wait till the morning. It just felt strange that they didn't, they weren't more upset and arguing about it the night before. There's two parts of it, isn't there? Like, I think they were probably like fuming, but they knew that socially they, they shouldn't kick off massively. But also, I think there's an aspect of, sort of defeatism right so like they're in the alliance that's controlling the game and then suddenly it swept out from under them they probably think oh that's it i'm done so like not throwing a strop but the equivalent of throwing a strop and like that obviously they're starving on an island it's fine to throw a strop but like that level of right that's it i'm done i never want to speak to any of these people again i'm going to bed so i reckon that probably plays a factor into it it did feel to me a little bit and we know that the producers have left them as much as they can to kind of play their own game and live their own lives but watching it, I did almost get like this Love Island vibe where I wondered, have they been told? Don't say anything now. Wait till tomorrow. Or I, I hope they haven't. They probably haven't. But it all felt a little bit staged. 
maybe uh, what was actually what actually occurred after the boat was uh, inappropriate to wear. So like, <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to film you all going to bed, and then we're going to do this again tomorrow. <laughs> well, let's get into it then. So at the start of day 27, we begin with, actually, and I didn't bring this up in our last podcast, I feel like I need to now, right now, with Matthew. And it's a, it's a fashion choice. So we know, thank you, Survivor 45, that buffs are trademarked. <laughs> that was an incredible scene. <laughs> I found it so jarring the last four episodes that Matthew has brought his own buff from home and is wearing it as like headband bandana. Like he legitimately has the official Survivor UK multifunctional piece of clothing. But he just wears it around his neck and then he has like this green buff on his head. Like, why is that? I haven't time? really noticed. Have you not? Oh, dude, it's super jarring. Yeah. He never wears his survivor buff on his head, but he always wears like this other buff up there. No, oh, I have to look out for that. I've not noticed at all. Yeah, he's wearing two buffs. I'm, I keep looking at him and thinking that <laughs> the whole point of you having a buff is to do that kind of thing, is to wear it as a headband. You, yeah. you, you didn't need to bring one from home. That was, <laughs> that was not on the essential kit list. But when we get into it, Matt is doubling down from the events of the night before, and he feels like it's the right thing to do. Real ray of sunshine. Lawrence feels like he's clean. He doesn't feel like he has any blood on his hands, and he feels like that everybody else doesn't have a perception of him being a traitor, particularly Nathan. But we flip this out to really start it. The starting point for me is Nathan and Leilani talking. And it felt like Leilani may just be narrating to us. But she was trying to work out in real time. It wasn't me. I don't think it's Nathan. Lawrence voted for Pegleg. Does that mean it's Matty? Was that narration or is this Leilani just catching up? I think it is probably a bit of both. I reckon this has already occurred to her and then she's relaying this in confessional. That's how I kind of read it. But... um. In terms of these couple of conversations that are happening here, I was so glad that Matt doubled down on what he did. Uh, I was a bit worried that he was going to sort of go on an apology at all this episode, but he didn't. And I- I'm glad he recognised that he got himself into a better position and just to say, you know, F it, do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> Lawrence, obviously, as I said, thinks that Matthew's going to take the fall for it. I mean, I do think there was some level of solid strategy behind it, but I also think he was naive to think that other people weren't just going to throw him under the bus with his part in the in the plan there and then i also want to praise nathan a bit you know we thought he hasn't been the most strategic person over the course of the season and i think it's fair to say that it hasn't however i did like how he was smart at the start of this episode thinking about how to play it he wanted to extend an olive branch to matthew i thought he was really thinking through like his social strategy there so i, I was glad that he like was like no i have to play the game now instead of just like throwing a strop about tanuke going home when he said the right move was to make sure that Matty feels there's a way back, you're so right. That was really good strategic gameplay, social gameplay, and really recognising the numbers right now aren't in his favour. And so trying to create that way back for Matthew while still harbouring the thirst for revenge inside, that feels like a really positive way <laughs> that Nathan could take his game. I was given a little bit of hope by Leilani's comments. When she sort of said, Lawrence voted out Peg, it made me think... Did he tell people he was going to do a split in some way? Does this make more sense? I'm not entirely convinced by that, but maybe there was a bit more discussion about him voting Pegleg rather than Chris yeah. than what we saw in the episode 12 edit. I imagine it was like a if Chris has an idol kind of thing because everyone was going to be voting Chris, weren't they? So uh, yeah, I reckon he kind of said it as a, a bit of a split vote plan there. After this conversation, we see Nathan take 
Matthew for a for a solo chat on the beach. And there, Matthew, I thought, had a, had a great line where he's like, I don't want you to think less of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do agree with what you said. He's, he didn't go on an apology tour, but to me, he was a lot more confident in confessionals about his move than he was when he talked to Nathan. He did feel kind of half-hearted about it. He talks about Chris and Pegleg getting into his head. Um, and Nathan really confirms that he saw it as a final three. And really, it was a good lie to tell him. But I think both parties came away not really convinced that they were going to have the opportunity to work together moving forward. Yeah, I think I think they both played this well. I think Matt definitely like purposely hid his strategy from what we saw in confessionals, where it was like they got into my head, trying to make excuses that way. And I think it was somewhat believable, but I think the issue is that the trust is just broken between them. Like, I think it came off as Matt didn't do it because he wanted to nuke out to get, like for strategic reasons. But I think regardless of why he got him out, I think that trust was always going to be broken. So I think I don't think there was anything more he could have done. I think he played this pretty well. He said he'd work with Nathan and Leilani moving forwards. And Nathan was like, are you really? And he, would, he said, what kind of man am I to, sh- to break a shaken on price? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Matt, you know, full well, like you're going to vote for that <laughs> the next triple guess. <laughs> I think that was probably going slightly too far. <laughs> this is he doesn't Nathan. want to become Chris number two, does he? This, this is Nathan he's talking to. Like, when Nathan's relaying the conversation to Leilani at the well, he describes the value of Survivor as being consistent, loyal, and honest. <laughs> and he says he's just voted out the most consistent, loyal, and honest person here. Those are not the values of Survivor. <laughs> it's, um, it's outwit, outplay, outlast. <laughs> but I can understand why Matthew's saying that to Nathan. That's the kind of language that he likes. But yeah, it's a bold-faced lie. Yeah. And there was a lot of sort of praise between the players in confessionals in this episode where they were saying, oh, I'm glad so-and-so has started playing the game. I'm glad that I'm able to manoeuvre my way through sort of thing. But I just thought it's so funny that three episodes ago they were all disgusted by the idea of lying. <laughs> and then this episode they were like, hi five for playing the game. Yeah, and you know what? They're still disgusted by Chris doing that. But yeah, anyone else, just it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Chris, we had a great conversation as well uh, on day 27 between Pegleg, Hannah and Matt. Where again, they're confirming this was the right move to get out to Nuke. And Pegleg and Hannah are still thinking about Chris being the primary target for the next votes and still talking about how he's disliked and kind of people want to get him out. That narrative is going to kind of change as we go through episode 13 and 14. But initially at this point, Chris Stillville was very much on the outs. I was so glad in the next episode where they, they kind of have a turnaround on realising what's the best strategy to go for here. But I don't know. Like For me, I know there was the whole fight with Lee... And I know that he's a bit confrontational at Tribal. But I don't understand why Chris is so hated to this level. Like, what have you seen? The thing I think rubs people the wrong way is he is very extra, is what I would say. Yeah. And I mean that in a sense of, I think that's a little bit just who he is. You know, he's a singer-songwriter outside of this. He's a performer. He's very flamboyant. And you can't get away from the fact that this is a TV show. And, you know, when you have a camera put in your face 24 hours a day i think you do act a little bit differently so the classic example is in survivor 41 where matt decides to climb up that giant boulder in episode one and ends up falling off and hurting himself there's no way he does that in real life no definitely not 
but because the camera's there, you're jacked up, you're feeling yourself, you do things that are a little bit extra. And Chris does this more than some of the other contestants. And I think a little bit that kind of grates on them and maybe gives the perception that he's maybe not being as forthright as maybe other people are. Yeah, and I think it's in the next episode of the challenge, Hannah calls Chris extra and he pulls a face like he's been offended by it. But I don't think I don't think anyone means that in a bad way. I mean the people on the island seem to dislike him for it, but yeah. in terms of, like I think he is a, a very extra person. Like he goes out there and he'll he'll do whatever, you know, he's gonna do the cartwheels, he's gonna pull the facial expressions. But like that's just who he is, and I think I'm really enjoying watching it, and I don't think you know, people should hate on someone just because they're a little bit, you know, a little bit chaotic. Yeah. They also need an easy vote, don't they? And unfortunately, we had Shy the first couple of episodes that regardless of what he did and how beautiful his flowing hair looked, he was always the name that was thrown around camp. And there's a little bit, I think, of this here that when you're stuck for a conversation and trying to generate, you know, momentum with someone, the easy name to say is Chris. Um, because there's almost this silent agreement that everyone dislikes him. You know, if he was that much of an easy vote, you know, he wouldn't still be here with only five people left in the game. So I think people need to kind of watch themselves because I really think, although in these episodes it becomes a little bit clearer that Chris might not necessarily be a slam dunk to win if he gets to the end. Like, for me, he has, like, the best argument out of everyone if he gets to the end. So I really hope he does. And if he gets to the end and loses, it'll be tragic in terms of what it means for the future of Survivor UK as well, but just tragic in general. <laughs> well, future Survivor players, you've heard it here first. Matt has said, you need to watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I can't see your full body here, but I'm convinced that your finger was wagging as you said that. Screen. <laughs> Better watch yourself. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, if, if, if he doesn't win despite the game he's played because he's wearing people up or whatever. Like, it's going to be a shame. Like, if someone has played that well, he's not done something heinously evil. So to me, I would still probably vote for them to win at the end. I mean, I can't say because I'm not on the island, so I don't know how I feel about him, but... You're a very strategic person, though. You value that. So we see throughout these two episodes, the narrative changes from Chris is the easy votes to people respecting Chris, I think, more and recognising, oh, it's not just luck. He must have done something to stay here which is really brilliant to see. And I think, give him credit, he's working hard to stay in the game. We also have, later in the episodes, a few different people talking about who they want to take to the end. And they seem to feel that Chris is hated by the jury and that that makes him a good candidate to go to final three. I don't believe that read at all. So I think there's no way Chris is getting Lee's votes. But apart from that, I think everyone else is fair game. Even Nathan, to me, well, yeah, Nathan's final words suggest that he feels better about Chris. Yeah, everyone else. Doug is going to be open. Ash is going to be very positive towards him. Tanuke, I think it's a toss-up, depending on who else is there and what they say. Yeah. Um, and Lawrence, I think, will be open again. So the idea that he's massively disliked by the jury and therefore not a threat just feels like a bad read to me. Yeah, he's just played so well. Fantastic. Well, let's get in then to day 28 in the twist. They wake up in, in the morning and they spot a lobster trap on the far side of the beach. Uh, four people who went to go see it were Chris, Matthew, Hannah and Lawrence. And essentially there's a clue that tells them that hidden on the island there are three different keys. 
one of those keys will open up the lobster trap and there's a very thinly veiled <laughs> suggestion that it may be an idol <laughs> which luckily everyone deciphers really really quickly i love this twist i thought it was really exciting i the only thing that brought me down a bit was one the music choice you know having <laughs> mad world playing slowly in the background <laughs> And and no one seemed excited about it apart from Chris and Matty, and so it felt like a bit of a momentum killer to me. Yeah, I mean, this felt very new era twist to me, like in terms of Survivor US. And I think a lot of people have been talking about how this feels sort of like we're shifting through the Survivor eras. You know, they're trying to bring us up to date with it. So this idea of having it in full view of people, you know, you have to get a key to open it. It's very post forty Survivor US, and I, I was really excited by it. It felt like something to sort of force the game forwards a little bit. So yeah, I really liked it. I agree that <laughs> Matt and Chris were the only ones that were like really pumped for it. And obviously Nathan, because he wants an idol. I, I really like this twist. I thought it was fun. I thought it gave content and gave us something to enjoy, gave us something to watch. So yeah, I was here for it. I could feel the producers begging for that action, for that almost that mad scramble that suddenly everyone's running into the jungle trying to find it. People were so excited by this. When Chris was telling Pegleg about, oh, there's something over there, do you want to go check it out? His response was, no thanks, I want to get the fire started. There's <laughs> <laughs> either a man who's extremely confident or has no interest in playing a strategic game of Survivor. I think on some level he knows he's in a good position and he doesn't want to boat with an idol or whatever. He wants to get the fire going, keep warm. But I do also think, you know, if there's something that exciting, you probably just go and see it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing is changing. The fire will still be there. <laughs> Start when you get back. <laughs> and also, I want to say about what you were saying about people um, not really being that excited. I wrote in my notes that we're about to go into the, the most laid-back idol hunt ever. Yeah. <laughs> in all the versions of Smile, where people are looking for idols, they do fast cuts. They're, you know, Obviously, they probably are doing exactly the same as our UK contestants are doing, but the way it's edited makes it seem more chaotic, more fast-paced. Whereas this is like, we see people really slowly walking into the jungle. <laughs> just like two minutes of people just going, oh, a little <laughs> stroll, look around a bit. What's going on here? Well, listen, they've actively chosen to do a scene of people idle hunting and then cutting to Leilani waking up from the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're telling me how to feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> I was really surprised that she was sleeping throughout this. Her excuse is, oh, when it's dark, I just go back to sleep. It's like blinding lights out there. <laughs> You're asleep on the Dominican Republic beach, like, you know. I mean, yeah, they probably were asleep. Yeah, they just seemed not that happy about it. I mean, you wouldn't be happy about it, waking up and everyone else is already looking for this idol and you're on the bottom and, you know, a bit of carnage, so. Nathan also goes to see the lobster trap and finds the note. And really, we kind of have a race between two groups, you know, between essentially... Matthew and Chris, and a little bit of Nathan trying to look. Um, and you know what? Survivor gods, they love efforts, and they reward Chris and Matt as they're searching around near the well. Uh, Matthew calls out, is that something down there? It's not, but it's a point in the right direction, enough for Chris to find the key. And I thought a really interesting conversation that then takes place about who is going to go and get the idol. Absolutely. And how did you feel about Chris choosing to give Matt the key here? Because I think... 
on some level, it was the correct decision that Matt would draw less attention to himself going to get the idol. But what do you think about Chris putting his faith in Matt here? Do you think he can fully trust him now that he voted out one of his own in Tanuke? Do you think they're now a tight duo? Or do you think this was kind of a gamble on Chris's part? I thought this was 100% the right move. I thought this was building trust on a relationship that already is is trending in the right direction. Now, ultimately, it's not going to pay off. <laughs> and the reason it doesn't pay off, though, is because of a random blunder that he could have never factored in for. Yeah. You know, it, I don't think we should expect Chris to think, is Matthew capable of shutting a door? You know, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that should be a given. So it felt to me like a really good way to say, I'm building trust with you. I know your threat level's lower. You can go and do this. And he'd already secured from Matthew that kind of appeal of, I'm going to give this to you no matter what's inside. Um, So I think he already had that reassurance. I don't know if it's something I could necessarily do myself to kind of relinquish that power, but it felt like the right read to me. It feels like they are a really tight duo going forward. I think it was a big risk, but I think it, it was the correct risk to make. And obviously, as you said, builds trust. And it was kind of impressive that Chris has been portrayed as sort of this, not selfish, but he's out for himself kind of player. He doesn't really give up any power when he gets it type of thing. So I think this showed here that Chris was willing to give someone else a bit of power to try and keep himself in the game a bit longer. And I think he started making some really good social moves that hopefully will play off for him in the long run. We then cut to Matthew going out to the beach. Christopher is at camp distracting people, talking to them about food, about where people are. And at the same time, Matthew is going and he opens up the lobster cage. He finds inside a full immunity idol, complete with notes and bag and everything like that. And Matthew makes the decision to not take the idol at that point, but to leave it in the cage, presumably so other people won't think that they have an immunity idol, so they continue to look, which feels like the right strategic decision. Um, but the dodo moment that will go down forever is <laughs> is Matthew not being able to shut a door properly and just leaving the latch open. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether you saw on Matt's uh, Instagram um, on oh, it was like Friday or Saturday, but he put a, it was like a teaser for the next episode, and he put mistakes were made, and one else put mistakes were indeed made. <laughs> 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 this this was incredible. This was one of a kind. You can never predict this. This kind of thing never happens. It's it's a one in a million thing, and it's so great that it was captured on TV for us all to see. <laughs> yeah, and credit to the cameraman who noticed that and was able to remain calm when they realised that the latch wasn't open. I would be like pointing and gasping, and yeah, amazing. That decision is gonna really as well really spiral (laughs) a lot of the stuff that happens and really impacts Matt's game for the long term but the decision in itself to not take the idol is the right decision I think would you agree Matt I don't know so for me the thing is when do they go and get it back so do they go right before tribal in which case it's not gonna be obvious it's very much well they said they're gonna do it in the middle of the night so maybe yeah I think it's possible as an ability if they take it it becomes a witch hunt yeah and and unfortunately, in this scenario, Chris loses a witch hunt. I think an even better move would have been to take the idol out of the bag, to Leave load it back in. in with rocks. Yeah. yeah. That would have been the ultimate birdcage moment. <laughs> yeah. So I think unless you've seen like the recent US seasons, you probably wouldn't think of that in the moment. You know, there's so much to think about, so stressed about who can see me, who can't see me. So 
that would have been very impressive, but I'm not surprised that no one thought to do that. I was also interested that they decided when Leilani and Nathan hadn't seen the lobster cage and Pegleg hadn't seen it, there was no real discussion about should we destroy the clue and um, not tell them about this? Everyone, it seemed like a fair and open competition. We can all go and look if we want to. Yeah, and also because obviously we see Nathan pick it up when he goes to see it later on. They could have literally picked it up, moved it somewhere not visible, and then prevented anyone else from ever having a chance to get it. I think what it comes down to is is this vibe that people still don't want Chris to be there and, you know, Matty's just potentially made this big move. So I think, although they probably don't want Nathan or Leilani to have it, it's not necessarily about stopping them and more about making sure everyone has a chance, I guess. Yeah, agreed. That leads us really nicely then into the immunity challenge. In this challenge, contestants had to line up blocks along a balance beam, and they uh, had to yeah. go through the various the square frame. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This is a really it's hard dominoes, one. To basically. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant game of dominoes when you have to kind of step in and out of a frame that, if you knock, knocks them all over and starts them again. Cracking challenge, this one. Really, really good. Yeah, classic survivor challenge. It's one that's very simple, but always makes for good TV when you want to sit together. So, I was happy to see it. Felt very bad for Leilani at the start of this challenge when it felt like the steps that she had to take were, were above <laughs> waist height. Yeah. <laughs> There's some question marks here in terms of lowering it and hiring it for, for people. What, and what did you think about uh, how everyone did in this challenge? So I thought it was a really fair, really balanced challenge. And I loved kind of the drama throughout it. So obviously we had Pegleg, who knocked over the frame first. and thought it was a great moment that it's his quote-unquote good leg <laughs> that knocks over the frame it was also really really just in the survivor god's hands as matty knocks it over just as he places his last block joel's calling it you know he just has to get back wham all of them fall yeah. and i really felt for the hannah one as well that yeah. <laughs> she was so close to winning this challenge just yeah just knocked it at the last moment was it Hannah's or Matt's? I know it was Lawrence's that started knocking over in reverse all the Matt's at the start. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. I thought that was a very uh, interesting moment when he looked at Joel and said, that wasn't even me, that was the wind. And I could almost hear behind that what he was saying was, do I have to start again if it wasn't my yeah. fault they fell over? <laughs> Pause the challenge, just going to stun Lawrence's yeah. dominoes back up. <laughs> oh. oh, it comes down to really Chris and Nathan um, fighting for kind of those last few blocks and who's going to be first. Chris goes slow and steady and ultimately wins the race. And Chris wins this immunity challenge. And it felt really good to see Chris win one. Yeah, I was so excited. You know, I, I'm all in rooting for Chris at this point to be uh, completely transparent. So <laughs> I, I was absolutely thrilled when he won. And also, I think it made the episode a little more interesting. We know that, you know, that the cage isn't fully shut properly. So that idols anyone's to get whoever goes up next. We know that the main target now has immunity. I just think it, it set up the episode for an exciting finish here. Totally agree. If Chris doesn't win that immunity, they go straight away to get the immunity idol. Um, and we have a very different narrative. I think still an exciting one, but it just really hit home to me as well, though, how much of a relief it is to win the individual immunity necklace. 
You yeah. can tell as Chris walks back into a camp, his whole demeanour and his personality is allowed to come out rather than, you know, being lost in the scramble and feeling very, very frantic. It's one thing having to monitor yourself normally, but it's another thing having to monitor yourself when you know you're in trouble. In the scramble, when they get back to camp, Nathan immediately tells everyone, point blank, I'm going idle hunting. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man who later is going to tell us that he doesn't want to play the game hiding behind idols and advantages. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, fun <laughs> from going on in this episode in terms of just people saying one thing and then saying another thing. But the thing is with Nathan, he doesn't want to be seen as sneaky at any point. Like that's his one thing. Like regardless of what happens, he will not be this sneaky snake who who backstabs. He's going to play based on loyalty. And that's it. You know, he's going to vote out the people he doesn't like and he's going to take the people he wants to the end. So I think there's always going to be a level of if he is going to do something sneaky, he's going to actively tell people that he's going to be doing it. I think the big flaw in his game is, and it's encapsulated in this move, when he comes back to camp, he has two decisions, I think. Decision one is to start talking to people and to show a belief that the collective can get this done. Or he can decide to go and look for an idol and believe that he can get this done. And I think when it boils down, that's the real problem with Nathan's game, is that he is playing a really individual game where he believes in himself so much that he can find an idol when he needs to. He can win a challenge when he needs to. That he neglects understanding that it's a game of numbers, not of just like brute force and you know sheer will. Yeah, I think his social game definitely uh, left a lot to be desired. We heard in Tanuke's exit interviews last week how she wanted to take Nathan to the end if it, if it was a final two, just because he didn't have the, the social connections that other players did. Um, and I think what it comes down to, as she said, is he's there you know, for himself to sort of not bulldoze his way through the game, but he wants to win fair and square through the game. He's playing for himself and you know, no one else is particularly involved in that plan and we see that even more when he eventually does go to the lobster cage opens it up and finds an immunity idol his first decision is to go and show this straight away to hannah and lawrence and this one really really baffled me it felt like an ego moment it felt like he was just kind of a show of strength there there was no thought really i think you mentioned in the beginning maybe he was doing this to get the the target off his back that's not what it felt like to me yeah, so I don't think he did it intentionally in order to get the, tar- the target off his back. I think if we had seen a confessional about that, then obviously it would have been a good move to say, you know, I'll try and make it not me so that I don't have to play my idol, so I'll have it for the next round. But instead, it just seems as though he's saying, oh, I found an idol. And actually, yeah. <laughs> over the next couple of episodes, we'll get this bizarre arc where Hannah decides she has a vendetta against Nathan because <laughs> she doesn't like the person who <laughs> became when he had the idol. <laughs> So I think it's all part of the social game there, you know. I think he was just excited to have the idol and he wanted everyone to know about it. I think it was a bit further to me than excitement. There was a bit of gloating, I thought. that Again, it comes down to decisions. The decision could have been in that moment to say, Lawrence and Hannah, I have an idol. Let's vote together and make it work. His decision is to say, pile the votes on me and then I'll just decide who goes home. And that's never going to build any <laughs> credibility or momentum with people. You know, okay, okay, Nathan, let's just put it in your hands and whoever you don't like will go home. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Peg and Hannah are kind of set up as this central couple across these two episodes, which is strange considering they've been on the same tribe for most of the, the season and we haven't seen it before. But everyone's recognising that everyone needs them as numbers to be able to move forward in the game. But I think Nathan, as you said, misses a trick here by not using that idol to gain their trust and to start building the alliance instead of just saying, you know, oh, I've got this, I'm off the table, which is which is what he does here. This is the worst possible outcome, I think, for Nathan in terms of finding an idol and using it in this fashion because immediately Hannah is telling everyone, telling Matthew, telling Pegleg, um, Nathan has an idol. There's no real subtlety about the fact that he has it. And I don't think Nathan tries in any way to kind of stop the whispers. Um, we didn't see any cutscenes of him saying, don't tell anyone. Or He seems pretty open about it. And he, he mistakenly thinks that once people know I have an idol, they'll still just vote for me. <laughs> even <laughs> as I'm even... saying it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> and even worse, when he says to Lawrence that his first choice to snow about is Matthew, his second choice is him. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay. Well, thanks for telling me that, Nathan. I really want to work with you now. Now I know yeah. I'm your secondary target. <laughs> and I think that's the thing about Nathan's game over these two episodes is obviously with what you said about the tribal council thing as well. Like the relationships he has left really are the tenuous one with Matthew, the one with Lawrence that Lawrence doesn't realise isn't there anymore, <laughs> yeah. and his relationship with Leilani. And he kind of blows all three of them up by the end of these two episodes. 100%. <laughs> Instead of bringing people in and using them as numbers, he, he goes the other way, tries to get through by himself, and it was just never going to happen. Yeah, very, very unusual um, idle play. And I think it kind of cements that, that, unfortunately, Nathan is a victim to someone who just hasn't seen Survivor before. Yeah. Um, this this felt very much, this scramble felt like people who weren't Survivor fans trying to play Survivor. Although they know are getting into the game, although they're learning like, oh, I do have to play strategically. These are the rocky moves that we see people make in early seasons of whatever version of Survivor it is. And that's just something that people aren't going to learn for a while yet. And, you know, that, that's just how it's going to be. As news spreads around the camp, Matthew eventually confronts Chris and says, look, mate, someone said there's an idol. Um, and they both decide to go look at the lobster cage together. What is it? Someone says to him, uh, I can't remember who it is, but they say, um, how's he got that? And they say, oh, he said that it was already open. And yes. then Chris just looks at Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great scene. Oh, it was so hard to watch, man. The, the one for me was when we got there and Matthew picks up the lobster cage, like, has someone done something to underneath it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the door swings open because he's tempted. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris is like, it's over. <laughs> oh, my heart went out to him in that moment. We all made honest mistakes. Brutal. That was that could be his hundred k mistake right there, just not closing the latch. <laughs> and I think rightly, you know, the the strategic move is for Chris to kind of you know console console Matthew and to kind of tell him to worry about it. But <laughs> so I don't. I don't blame him for one moment for going off on him. Like, honestly, mate, you had one job. It was to shut the door. <laughs> oh. I'm dying to know how... I don't think there's any way of being able to predict this, but if Matthew gets to the end, does the fact that 
he fucking didn't lock the cage properly. Like, does that make him look bad? Like, I don't. How does that even play? Because we've never really had anyone get to the end having made an honest mistake, and how that would be perceived by a jury. I don't think it affects him. To be honest, either way, it's like <laughs> it's the stupidest thing I've possibly seen on Survivor. <laughs> Barring Eric giving the immunity necklace to Sari. <laughs> I mean, that was straight on done. <laughs> There's a difference between being duped and accidentally yeah. not locking a lot properly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it helps him. I don't think it hinders him. I think what it might do is get him voted out. <laughs> yeah. Know, that's... If, if one of them goes because they didn't have the idol to play, it's going to be so sad. But potentially they would have played it on Chris in Nathan's boot as a as like a safe option, which would have added to their threat level there instead of Chris being perceived as being saved by Pegleg and Hannah. So maybe this will work out for them in the long run. Yeah, the book's not written yet. Or at least it is. We just haven't seen the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they get back to camp, this is when it starts to get really awkward. And actually, sorry, I, I'm going to zoom back a little bit. There was also a moment just before they found the idol where there's a really interesting conversation between Matthew, Chris and Leilani. And they say that they want to talk and, and Chris says, what name are we going to say? Because you know Leilani won't lead the conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they get into it and Leilani says, who are you going to vote for? Matthew says, Nathan's got an idol. Chris has got the immunity necklace. I don't really want to vote for Lawrence. I don't want to vote Pegleg and I don't want to vote Hannah. <laughs> the only person he hasn't mentioned is <laughs> Leilani. Chris who sat next to him, who's been working with at Leilani. Oh, horrendous. I think Leilani is in, a, in a, a screwed spot here. Like, you know, and no one really wants to work with her. She's getting thrown out these stupid plans. But what's interesting is that by the end of the episode, obviously, Matt does vote for Lawrence. And Leilani is clued on on that vote, so it'd be interesting to see how that plays into it. Like, obviously, they've hidden... Well, not hidden, but they haven't shown us how that vote came about, really. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to know how, how that all worked out. It snowballs really nicely into when Chris and Matthew have realised the idol is missing and they come back to camp. They gather together the six people. And, and I, I do understand what's happening here. I don't want to be, like, really critical, because what they're really saying is let's try and trick Nathan into yeah. saying, here's the second target. That's what they're really doing. They're not asking who wants to be the second, who wants to be the decoy plan and in effect the person to go. They're trying to say, let's trick Nathan. But yeah. everyone around there understands that actually <laughs> they're looking for a consensus person to go home tonight. And Matthew kind of asked that question, who wants to be the person? <laughs> and uh, he was always expecting like a Katniss Everdeen moment. Where you know, Leilani stands up. Tribute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. that, that moment was just never going to happen. It was so uncomfortable to watch, and, and Hannah voiced it perfectly. Like, you know, <laughs> we're all here. I think I don't think this was ever going to work out well. So I was just thinking, like, if they got everyone to stay with Nathan, and then Matt and Chris voted for someone else, but then obviously other people are going to panic, and they're going to throw the votes on someone else. So I don't think. It wasn't feasible that Nathan was going to get the votes after everyone knew they had the idol. So I got the sense that this conversation happens actually really close to them going to tribal council. Because there is a moment where Matthew pulls and Chris Pegleg and says, us three have to vote Lawrence. And I think that's yeah. the kind of the inception of the Lawrence plan. But there's just so much, I think, scrambling here that could have happened. 
that just doesn't happen. We get then into Tribal Council. And in Tribal Council, we have some really great conversations. We have praise given to Chris about winning the immunity challenge. They also talk to him about, you know, how does that feel? He also has this great line where he says that he can come back into camp and he can really observe people um, and be observant, not like everyone else. And we just hear Nathan's laugh in the background. (laughs) We, We put out an IG reel comparing Nathan's laugh to Kawhi Leonard's laugh. And this man just keeps giving on the laugh front. Like, I don't know if this has been edited, but his laughs are insane, just in isolation. They're so good. <laughs> and everyone's different. It doesn't feel like there's like a consistent laugh. They're all yeah. just like these weird, different cackles. <laughs> there's a lot of um, interesting... Uh, Nathan moments in this tribal. I can't remember what it was for something, but he gets asked about something and he says potato, potato. Yes. <laughs> and then Chris <laughs> comes back at him with something and then says, oh, potato, potato, right? It was so funny. He really did, I think, has that that confidence of having the idol. He says it himself, doesn't he? This is the most of the talks. There are a couple of moments, I think, as well. So let's talk about the Matthew moment just really quickly. Joel is talking about the Tanuke blind side. And Matthew said that he's really disappointed that Tanuke is gone and that he doesn't like voting out his friends. I understand what Matthew's doing here. He's trying to say, you know, it's never easy to do that and it's it wasn't an easy decision for him to make. I just felt like he should have owned the move, though, and Tanuke would have respected that more. When we cut to Tanuke, we can kind of see her looking a little bit grossed out yeah. by him saying, oh, it's sad that you're not here when he was the, the whole reason she's gone. Although he sort of moves towards owning it towards the end of what he says, because uh, he said something like, oh, I just had to do it. I think a non-emotional explanation of that move would have probably made him look better. And then um, just talking about that moment as well, what do you think about Joel, this tribal council? Because I think there's a couple of things he said that kind of overstepped. Obviously, he starts by saying, Matthew, it look, you looked really shocked when Tanuke left, which is obviously kind of like lining him up to throw him under the bus. You know, what if they wanted to keep that a, se- a secret? And then he also says, and you weren't the only person part of that plan. And then as looks at Lawrence and says, Lawrence, what do you yeah. think So I feel like it's kind of, what if that was a secret? I'm sure I'm assuming it's Knox, otherwise he wouldn't have said it. But it just feels like stepping too far into like the secrets and the strategy of what's going on. I thought the Matthew one was inbounds. I think the Lawrence one is out of bounds. Because he's just commenting, I think, for the Matthew part, he's just commenting on what he sees. And I imagine what someone else has said as well, in some ways. Sort of in the Tribal Council, obviously there's quite an extended version. I bet that's come up already. Yeah. The Lawrence one is definitely throwing him under the bus if he was trying to play off. No, that's not me. Yeah. I just I just felt like it was a little bit... He stepped from host into a player a bit too much there for me. Mm. I thought Joel, actually, the whole two episodes, though, just side note on Joel, was really good. The other brilliant moment in Tribal Council is the Nathan moment, where he's asked... Well, Chris essentially is talking about this has opened up the game because he always felt there was a hard line with the final three. Nathan then openly confirms that his plan was to have a final three with him, Tanuke, and Matthew. (laughs) I thought he really butchered this. One, he's butchering this because he's destroying his relationship with Leilani. But also, his, his, his point of view of saying, listen, when it was going to get to five, we don't know what happens with immunity idols. Actually, sorry, mate, immunity idols usually don't work after five. <laughs> he also talks about, we have no idea what happens is going to happen at the immunity challenge. Oh, okay, fair enough. 
But then he talks about it wasn't really a plan. Um, it's just like me saying, I want to be a footballer. It's not a plan, is it? Nathan, these are not the same things. <laughs> <laughs> this is a plan. It's much more substantive than you saying, I want to be a footballer. It just like didn't help him at all. I think probably like once he'd started saying it, he realised that he probably shouldn't have said it, and it was just trying to like backpaddle out of it. But what did you think the implications on this were on Matthew? Because obviously Matthew here is finding out that Nathan and Tanuke were planning to take him to three. Do you think there's any sort of regret there, or do you think he thinks, look, I probably wouldn't have won against Tanuke anyway, so it was probably for the best? Definitely the second one. You know, I'm not saying he's a cold fish. I think it probably he's realising more and more, okay, maybe I could have got to the final three, but I think he knows as well he is never going to win against Tanuke and Nathan. Maybe I'm a little bit salty and a bit petty, but what's the point in playing 35 days to become third? I do agree. Unless you're you're definitely not going to win, at which point definitely aim for third to get that cash. But (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) I suppose, yeah. If you're playing a US like that, I I don't think the day rate of 100 to 115 pounds is going (laughs) to incentivize him much more. (laughs) I wonder what the runner-up prizes are for this, because in US it's like like 100k, 150k and stuff like that. There's no way there's runner-up prizes. I, I would bet so much on that. Yeah, because if it's only 100k for the winner, what are they even going to give the other yeah. people? They've spent all their money on <laughs> on other things. We'll get into what they spent the money on later. But yeah, <laughs> I'd be really surprised if there was a runner-up prize. Absolutely. Um, we've got to talk about Leilani as well, just before we get to the actual vote, because we missed a scene before uh, Tribal, where Leilani says that she she's refusing to vote for Lawrence, saying that she'd never vote for him because... She really likes him, which I found really strange, considering she's just found out that Lawrence like purposely avoided voting for Chris so that Tanuke would go home. There's lots of discussion online around Leilani's game and you know, it's, it hurts to say that, but she is the goat. The yeah. reason her the reason her name is not coming up, so it's really absent in all of these discussions in episode thirteen and fourteen. I think because everyone there understands it that Leilani is a very safe person to take to the end and not to be a major threat. I agree. And I think although she's she, although she started playing the game, although she is trying to involve herself in these strategic conversations, I think since the, the Tanuke vote, she's just got no traction at yeah. all. She's got she hasn't got the relationship, she hasn't got the alliances to be able to worm her way back in. And maybe, you know, she pulls off some crazy big moves. She manages to get rid of Matt and Chris, but in a way that no one else was voting for them and she managed to sort of do it by herself, then she's absolutely got a chance of winning. But I don't see that happening. And even if she works with Peg and Hannah to get rid of the two biggest threats, I still think Peg and Hannah leave with more win equity than she does. And if this moment didn't spurn her on, like hearing directly from her closest ally that she wasn't even in his final three plan... You know, nothing's going to at this point. She still votes with Nathan in the next episode. And like hearing, I was never going to take you to the end. If that doesn't make you reassess your priorities and want to play the game harder, it's not going to at this point. I agree about her win equity. As we said in our Cast the Capital episode, I think last week, the longer she's in, the more her equity drops. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame, but in terms of our knowledge of what we've seen, on all the other seasons of Survivor that we've watched, 
I think it's safe to pinpoint Leilani as the losing finalist here. When we go, everyone casts their votes. We then have the moment where Joel asks if anyone has a hidden immunity idol and wants to play it. Now is the time to do so. Nathan plays his idol, which is an absolutely crazy move. He he had to... I feel like I'm saying, like, laying out options a lot here. and Maybe I'm doing this too much, but it felt really clear to me. If you don't tell anyone about the idol, and then you play it, and you decide individually this is where the votes are going to go, or... You choose not to play it. You know you're not going to play it. And you try and pull in other people and keep that idol for one more vote. It was a really bizarre decision, I think, to play the idol in this moment. And obviously, he's not going to get any votes. And this is going to directly burn him. Because if he had that idol, I genuinely think he has a route to the final. I disagree in terms of it being a crazy decision to play the idol. I think spoilers for Survivor 45 in 3, 2, 1... In terms of Bruce, obviously choosing not to play his idol gets voted out. He told he everyone knew about his idol. Everyone told him there was another plan coming, and he made the calculated risk not to play it. Um, and I think that's exactly what it would have been for Nathan. It would have been a risk, although he knows his name was out there. Although he knows everyone knows he has the idol. Although he knows that other people's names are out there. It's still a massive risk to choose to not play it and it probably was the right move to gamble there but i don't think it is insane for him to just say i just want to stay another round try and win some immunities so i think this is totally different from the bruce situation there's nathan at this point is not hated as much as bruce is so yeah maybe chris is Katura, and maybe you know hannah is starting to dislike nathan's <laughs> ego at this point but I still think if he wanted to make his idol public, which is fine if you want to do that, you know, it's not how I would play, but if that's your move, you could still pull people into voting so you don't have to use it. I yeah, think I agree. I think he sort of half-heartedly goes between the two options that you laid yeah. out. And I think he could have absolutely done more of it. But I just think it wasn't a terrible move to play the idol. I don't think there's any world where you can play an idol when no one's voted for you and it not be considered a terrible move. I'm sorry, I just so strongly disagree with that. If, if you get zero votes, you should have done. You should have read the people better. Like, there is definitely an element of that. Definitely, it really depends. Like, if you didn't have a read at all, and obviously that's bad play of not being able to get a read. But like, it's just play it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think what else it does though is it is it spooks out people how he's been acting, and we see that in the votes. So what we see in the votes is that. Lawrence votes for Hannah. And again, we can understand Lawrence's thought process here. He, again, bad read by Lawrence. He thinks everyone's going to vote for Nathan, apart from Nathan, who's going to vote um, for him. And so maybe he votes for Hannah. I would like, bet that Chris and Matt told Lawrence that it was Hannah. I don't believe that. Do you really think so? Yeah, I, I would bet that Chris and Matt told Lawrence everyone's voting for Hannah, apart from Hannah and Peg, who are voting for Nathan. That just makes the most sense for me, and it's in line with how Chris has been playing this game. I just think it was random. I mean, it might have been a, a completely... Yeah. So so Lawrence throws hinky votes against people that, you know, are oh, sorry, you know, hard feelings, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But he, on a level, he is thinking strategically game-wise, not doing it the greatest, but I don't buy that just because Nathan's got an idol... 
he's just going to say, oh, not sure who everyone's voting for, but I'm just going to throw a vote at Hannah because we have the lowest connection. Like, I don't think no, no, no. Like... So I, I think he thought, genuinely, this is what I think Lawrence's thought process is. Okay. He, he thinks five votes are going on Nathan. Nathan is then going to choose who he wants to go home. He knows it's between him and Matty. And so he says, well, I don't want that to happen. So let me throw out Hannah's name. So worst case... It's one for me, one for Hannah. We do a revote, which I don't think is a good move, but I think that's what he's trying to create. He's trying to create a contingency if everyone's voted for Nathan and he is the only name that Nathan votes for. So maybe, and it makes sense, but what I'd say if that was the case is, why don't you just tell someone else to vote Hannah with you, therefore it's not even a tie. <laughs> well, listen, mate, that is the... Um, like, if I'm honest, that's like the whole Nathan problem, though, isn't it? Like... So let's let's talk just quickly. So Leilani votes Pegleg. I think that's just a random vote. Yeah, know, that I, is absolutely a random vote. <laughs> I think she's just spooked out what happens. But Nathan votes Lawrence. And all I can think happened, right, is that Nathan was going to vote Matty and then thought, what if Chris or Matthew play an idol? And so he decides to switch it to Lawrence. But if it's his plan going in to vote for Lawrence, he should just tell Leilani that. He wouldn't have had to play his idol. It would have been a 6-1 on Lawrence. So, I think it's Chris and Matt. They do tell Leilani that Lawrence is getting the votes. So I assume that Leilani tells Nathan that Lawrence is getting the votes. But that doesn't make sense, though. If he knew the votes were going on Lawrence, why did he play his idol? True. Maybe Maybe he didn't know if they were lying to him. It's all a a paradox, isn't it? No one has a clue who's voting for who at the end of the day. You just have to trust your gut on what you believe people are going to do, so... I think that's why we get this such a mess of a council because not everyone's thinking strategically, so it's harder to predict. Because, like in other seasons of Survivor, you know that ninety percent of the players are logical people. You know what their best move is to do, so therefore you can kind of predict what they're going to do. Whereas right now, it's such a mess that like anyone could vote for anyone feasibly. I, I do agree with that, but I think even the most basic Survivor player should be able to say. No one is going to be <laughs> like. Uh, I'm going to sound like a real dick saying this, but I'm just going to say <laughs> it. But like, even the most basic survivor player should understand. Nobody's going to be happy with letting one person choose who goes home. You know, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, and and so once you accept that, if that's true, then the next thing that has to be true is they're going to split the votes. Maybe Nathan thought he might get the majority of the votes, regardless. We'll have we'll have to ask people, you know. After the season, we'll, we'll talk to people and find out exactly what was going on here because, you know, it was a mess. <laughs> it was very messy. Ultimately, the votes are one for Hannah, one for Pegleg, five votes on Lawrence. Um, and Lawrence becomes the next person voted out of Survivor UK and the fifth member of our jury. Yes. And uh, while Leilani might not be giving the strategy, she is still giving the iconic moments where she says, You go get on your yacht. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. He he's very chipper about being voted out again, but it's very telling that we've been talking for about not in the edited version of this podcast, but in the unedited version, we've been going for about an hour fifteen, and Lawrence hasn't really come up in this episode. And despite it being his boot episode, (laughs) yeah, doesn't that just exemplify his game? Unfortunately, Lawrence is a good character. Lawrence is someone who was trying to play the game, who was someone who was a, a little bit sneaky, a little bit trying to weasel his way. He was very weaselly. That's how I describe his gameplay. He was trying to <laughs> let the moves happen. 
Because <laughs> no, he was trying to let the moves happen, but make himself come out spelling clean as roses. Do you know what I mean? And I think he was naive to think that people wouldn't pick up on that. But I appreciate the fact that he was actually trying to make some moves to sort of let the game play its course and sneak the way through and hopefully get the jury votes under the end. But it was just not going to work like that. <laughs> Yeah, I do not support the word Weasley. I feel like that's... Uh, <laughs> that's I'm not calling it a weasel, but I just... <laughs> you can't say you acted like a weasel, but I don't think you're a weasel. <laughs> right, so if we're taking like the Sioux Hawk, Snakes and Rats thing, like Lawrence would be the rat. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think the word you used that was perfect was naive. Yeah. And if I'm honest, I don't think he's a smart Survivor player, unfortunately. I, he seemed very charming as well i think he seems like a very charming man he's clearly a very funny man and survivor is not a reflection on how well you're doing in real life i'm sure in real life he's incredibly intelligent and it's going to go really really far i found him to be a bit of a uh, a non-factor this entire season you know can i pinpoint a moment where i think lawrence drove a decision or formed a specific alliance or drove a strategy i can't beyond maybe the rachel votes I mean, even then, I think that was more that. Yeah. I, I just think Lawrence sort of rode with Shy. Then Shy goes home. Then Lawrence tries to get back in with the Calatons. Then he flips with Matt and allows Tanuke to go home. And then he's left only having Matt, but Matt now has stronger connections with the Lenena group. So I don't think at any point he actively made any decisions to better his position in the game it would be amazing to see someone with uh you know i've never applied to a job by sending off a blank piece of paper <laughs> and that would have been what lawrence was doing in the final tribal council if he got there um how do you rate his chances for coming back on a returning season i think it's unlikely to be quite honest i think he's a really fun character but i think if we're thinking further seasons they're probably gonna cast a few more you know, people with posh accents who are a bit quirky <laughs> and they'll probably have a better chance of playing the game because they'll have seen more survivors. So I think Lawrence is someone who his archetype's a lot of fun but can easily get outshone by future players. Yep, agreed. And there we have it. That's episode 13. Messy episode. Very entertaining. Just guys being dudes and girls being chicks learning how to play Survivor. <laughs> 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 oh god <laughs> let's move then into episode 14 we start from the kind of day 29 the fallout from tribal council and we're starting here to see the arc of hannah and pegleg really coming to the forefront really talking about their game really being excited to be in the final six Again, giving credit to Chris, recognising he's a threat. But this is Hannah really identifying, as we've said, who do I want to take with me to the final three? Perhaps Chris is a good option here. Let's just talk about Hannah's editing throughout the season, which has been inconsistent at best. Were you expecting this complete twist into the winner's edit? So, listen, Hannah's edit has started picking up a lot. Hannah's starting to talk strategy. You know, we said last week or the week before, we said prove us wrong in terms of Hannah being an active strategic player in the game. You know, I think she is doing a solid job of under-the-radar strategy with this peg-leg duo. If Hannah or peg-leg, but mostly Hannah, wins this season, the editors have done a horrendous (laughs) job. (laughs) 
Like she was barely in the first half of the season. She hasn't had a relationship with Peg Leg defined at all. And maybe it was just because she wasn't playing as hard before, but now she is. But I think almost someone learning the game is as compelling as someone being good at the game. So we saw with Jess how she was starting to pick up the game, and that was great there. If Hannah wins, she was invisible for the first half of the season, and all we saw is that she was on the bottom and voting the wrong way. And then suddenly, her and Peg are super close, and she's playing solidly, and uh, now she's just going to win because she gets rid of Chris and Matt and sits with Peg and Lay at the end. That'll just feel sad to me. And we still haven't seen her package. We still don't know <laughs> anything about her. Like, uh, and I think even if Hannah doesn't win, it's just low-key rude to not show anything of her, considering she's at the final five. I doubt she goes before four. I totally agree. This, I've calmed down now, but you'll notice, Max, we were texting in real time. I was absolutely livid about the editing and the screen time that she was getting. And it just feels wrong yeah. <laughs> in so many ways. Um, and particularly the part where her and Pegleg are talking about the friendship they've had since day two. You know, we called out at the merge that they hugged each other, but we just kind of did that as kind of par for the course. You know, yeah. we weren't saying they hugged each other. They must be best friends in an alliance from the beginning. It, it is on the editing team that have really not crafted her story and her narrative to the point where I still don't feel like I know her. I still don't root for her. I don't see any adversity that she's overcome in the game or moments again. She is someone that I point to once again as someone who I can't pinpoint a particular strategic move that she has made. And, you know, spoiler alert, Nathan gets voted out here. I don't think Hannah gets credit for that personally as m- any more than anyone else does. I would disagree in terms of the edit. We They specifically give Hannah the confessional where she says, but keeping Chris for the end, he might be an easier person to be and maybe she should flip this vote. And I do think narratively they do give Hannah credit for the, the move here, especially over Peg. I don't think Peg really gets that much in terms of talking about this specific vote. I agree that the edit is definitely leaning more towards Hannah than Peg. But is the perception of that going to be the same? And Yeah. And with Nathan gone, we said we're now at five. Okay, probably she's not going to vote out Chris because she wants to take him to final three. So her options of making a big move are essentially just voting out Matthew. And I think that's probably what we're going to see unless he wins immunity, honestly. like I, I just think it's easy for that group of learners to stick together and vote out the other two. Or maybe right at the end she does think, do you know what? Maybe I should just get rid of Chris to be safe. Like I think yeah. I think that's where we're seeing this going. <laughs> it's hard because Pegleg's a bigger character across the season and we've seen glimpses of his strategy. But for me, it really feels like they're setting Hannah up to be the dominant of the two in terms of the decisions that get made. At this point, if she wins, I personally don't feel great about the ending. It would be unsatisfying, yeah. and that and that's not on Hannah at all. That's just on the story that's been told. And I think, in a way, that would suck because, you know, if you, if you look at Twitter and X, like they're not exactly being high on Hannah. We've not been high on Hannah, and that's purely because what they're showing us is Hannah not really being aware of what's going on and potentially making some poor moves for her game. And you know, maybe that was true, but at least if they gave her the chance to explain why she was making the decisions she was making. It, w- it would be better than what we're actually getting. Yeah. 
Well, let's let's keep going. I know we're going to talk more, and this is going to this is going to rear its head again. But let's talk about Hannah's dislike of she has a confessional where she talks about how uncomfortable <laughs> she is with how Nathan was playing the idol. This um, was out of nowhere. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> it, it was just a bit of personality. Do you know what I mean? Like we haven't really gotten too much in terms of who Hannah is as a person through her confessionals. So for me, like it was like. It was fun. It was petty. It was random. Like I was there for it. <laughs> she was really going for it, man. Like, just... <laughs> yeah, she's all the words: ego, no humility. Yeah. It seemed like she was like angry. <laughs> I was yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <He was there. laughs> Legitimately, hundred percent. I didn't think she had this in her, to be honest. Like, do you remember? Do you remember the um, the Ren vote? Where with about Ashley, yeah, <laughs> she Ashley had just voted out her number one per se, yeah, and she was cool, like chilling by the fire, cooking rice with Ashley the next day. <laughs> like, we did get a confessional about how much she just didn't like Ashley. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it's it's odd, like we just get Hannah telling us that she doesn't like people every now and again, and then we get a confessional about how her head is in the game, and that's kind of it. Let's do this in one because later she is going to confront Nathan. A couple of funny moments where she goes up to him at the well and says that she needs to have a serious conversation. Side note, I think Nathan realises all this is a serious conversation. Therefore, it will be shown on TV. And so decides to immediately take off his shirt. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) But in their consultation, she does call him out. She lets him know this is how I'm feeling. I didn't like it. I saw another side to you. Bad gameplay. I know that Nathan respects it in terms of jury management. You know, you're only doing that at this point. It's kind of like clear your conscience. There's no strategic value. I completely agree. I also thought it was bad gameplay. And in fact, because of the focus we've had on Hannah the last two episodes and because they were starting to talk about Peg and Hannah as this sort of duo, I thought this was setting up a Hannah boot where, you know, she annoys Nathan with what she says and then Nathan decides to flip with Chris and Matt and, and take out Hannah here. I really thought that's where we were going. We'll, we'll get onto it a bit later but obviously her uh, her conversation with Nathan here doesn't fully play case of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the start of day 29 because one of the iconic moments we got from episode 14 um, was Leilani embracing some of her <laughs> seance <laughs> heritage. <laughs> this was like a classic Leilani moment. <laughs> Right here, <laughs> he she decides to burn Lawrence's underwear. Which, to be honest, I just felt uncomfortable actually. As Lawrence was being voted out, he talked about um, losing a pair of underwear. I felt really uncomfortable knowing that I just watched a whole tribal council with a man going commando. Like, it, just, it just made me feel slightly. <laughs> Do they have more than what I'm sure? Because on other seasons of Survivor, they don't actually have extra clothes. But I feel like I've seen a lot of them in different items of clothing in this season. Doug has like seven shirts that he was wearing from River Island throughout the season. (laughs) I mean, I think it's a good thing because I don't think people should be forced to wear the same dirty outfit for the same in the whole month. Like, what does that add apart from smelling more? Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you have the full name as as Leilani is burning the underwear? Indeed, I do. She uh, she lifts them up on the stick and shouts out obviously that she she wants to remember him and she calls him. Sex Pants Cherry Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
Your guess is as good as mine as to, as to what Cherry means in that uh, statement. Well, listen, we've seen a lot of the white whale throughout this season. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe maybe there's a reason behind that name. We then go to the reward challenge. Um, they're playing Mud Run, another classic survivor challenge where they have to jump over and under obstacles and essentially roll around in mud and cover their bodies in as much mud as possible before trying to run back and fill up a bucket by scraping the mud off their bodies. Um, just a really quick note, I thought was hilarious, is as, as Joel is describing the challenge, Joel is talking about all the things they can do, what they need to do, and also what they can't do. And so one of the things he specifically says is that you can't carry any mud back. And at the same time he was saying that, the person on the, the challenge team who's kind of demoing it yeah. is visibly carrying handfuls <laughs> of mud. <laughs> this reward challenge is a great challenge and it's for the type of reward that I like, spa day. Um, this felt like a really good one for me. The spa thing fitted in nicely with the, all the talk about how much they stink. If I was on an island, I'd love to go you know, and actually have a shower or something. That might me feel like revitalised and ready to go. This challenge was a lot of fun. You know, it's a classic. I was surprised that not as many of them were using, like, their hair yeah. to get as much mud. <laughs> We've also got to talk about um, the music <laughs> choices across this section of the episode. If you told me that Swan Lake would be coming into Survivor UK, like, that was... <laughs> and, and it didn't just a little bit, it was 2 minutes 50. It was a lot of Swan Lake. <laughs> Do you know what? This was a fun music choice because it was like clearly intended to juxtapose what was going on. <laughs> so, like, I was like, this is great. Um, we'll talk a bit, a bit more about the reward music when they go to the spa in a minute. But we'll, let's we'll... let's talk about music now, man. Okay. Because they had three bangers back to back. I mean, you say bangers, but I, I just brought our text up to check what I said. I said, in all caps, watermelon sugar, fire the editors. <laughs> Like, of all songs, and, like, just because there was, like, some fruit there. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no. No party have I ever been to where the three songs played in a row were Swan Lake, Watermelon Sugar, and then some Lizzo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you want to know why the runner up, runners-up don't get an extra prize prop? They're spending all the money on music royalties. Yeah, they're playing Harry Styles a, a million for playing with watermelon <laughs> sugar over them walking into a spa. Like, come on. Oh, man, the music was great. And you are right, though, about uh, people not using their whole bodies. Nathan and Peglegs specifically, not an inch of mud on their faces or hair. Which was, <laughs> like, the surprising part, because obviously we see Pegleg actually does quite well in this challenge. It was good. It was a good piece of fun. No real way to know who <laughs> was winning uh, for us as viewers. Um, but ultimately, Chris takes the reward. Um, and a great moment where he decides to go and he's told that he can take one person with him. And he ultimately chooses Hannah before saying, Oh, Lay, if I could have taken you, I would. <laughs> Peg Leg, I would have loved to have taken you as well. <laughs> Q Joel offering him one more slot. And... Uh, Leilani looked possessed as she stared at him with like 
I don't know if it was because her hair just like completely changed colour. <laughs> she looked cross, man. Yeah, it was a little bit of a misstep to say Layla only first in that situation because obviously it gives a false hope. Um, and obviously it was never intending to take Leilani because we find out this episode that not only do they dislike each other, but they dislike each other. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and that is it. He takes peg leg, and as they're walking out, he lets them know Leilani doesn't even like me. <laughs> Why would I take her? Never before has a relationship that seems so promising turned so sour so quickly. Do you remember back in Fishgate when they were openly sort of like working together to yeah. root out? Oh, and Chris was like leading her down the beach, and they're talking about <laughs> how they were using each other to get further themselves in the game, and that. No. <laughs> all fell apart somewhere well, oh. I think it must have been when they found out that they were trying to throw the challenge to get rid of Tanuke because no. until Lee said that Chris and Ashley were working with that Kalaton crew I don't think Leilani would care about that kind of thing <laughs> like, Do you not? the idea that Leilani would go oh, you threw a challenge <laughs> I just don't see a world where that happens She's like, that's what I've been doing all season. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think it must have been the Tanuke votes for me. I think just made it untenable. Yeah, very, very bad, yeah. At the reward challenge, again, I bow down to your wisdom here. Um, so we had a text exchange when they sent both Pegleg and Hannah on the reward challenge with Chris, where you text me and let me know they're going to see straight through this. I lack faith. I thought they would be taken in, but great shout. After scrubbing their junk and Mud Mask Monday, and we get some great confessionals where Hannah and Peg Leg understand the scenario. Chris is just doing this to try and build some social capital with them and build an alliance with them. I still think it was the right move from Chris, though. These were the right oh, people I agree, to take. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't as if he even did it in any way that seemed shifty or whatever, like... He just he did what he had to do, and I mean it kind of worked out for him. So you yeah, know. in that scenario, you know Matthew's solid. There's no advantage in taking him, and equally, you know Nathan and Leilani are not going to work with you. I think you know there's a chance that if Chris doesn't do this, that Hannah and Pegleg might not flip the vote onto Nathan at the end of this episode. Because you think the extra time with Nathan would have, I suppose, made well, them more likely. Well, not only that, but I think Chris sort of choosing them strategically to go shows them that he intends on some level to stick with them at least for right now Mm. and I think that combined with Hannah not being happy with Nathan kind of sealed Nathan's fate there When they get back from the reward challenge one person who is a bit surprised is Matthew Um, he's like immediately rushing over to Chris seeking confirmation we're still friends aren't we? We're still best mates (laughs) Um, and well played Chris calm him down let him know yes bud everything's fine the plan is still Nathan Um, and it really came in the sense of it built up well I thought to the immunity challenge in terms of this felt like a really critical immunity challenge in swaying right now between Chris and Nathan it could be either of them this could be a really big domino to fall we then get to our immunity challenge Um, it's a really simple one they have to swim out walk across a balance beam to collect a key. They then have to swim back, uh, dig underneath the sand, and you guessed it, it's episode 14, 
and it's our first proper puzzle. <laughs> when this came up on screen, we both text each other all caps. <laughs> like, puzzle. Yeah, it's <laughs> intense. <laughs> Like it. It's not even like a normal puzzle. Like the first puzzle in the show, and they go for the the vertical hacking puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> really wild. It was a tricky puzzle, man. It is really it is. hard. I, I loved as well that it seemed that a lot of things are trademarked, and apparently one of the things that are trademarked is the word equalizer. Um, because Joel couldn't say the puzzle is the great equalizer, as everyone knows is the correct statement. Yeah, he had to go with. The puzzle is the great leveller. <laughs> like, Continuing that? with the off-brand survivor phrasing. Yeah. What Etsy phrase do we need yeah. to pick up today? <laughs> and I think, I can't say it in your notes, but I've got to shout out here. The the most genuinely funny jo- thing Joel has oh, said yeah. throughout the season, which was when he was calling out who was getting to the beach after the swimming section of this challenge, he shouted, Joel Tommy, third to the beach. That was legitimately funny. (laughs) (laughs) I think to me what this whole challenge proved, though, and it's what we've been saying since the very beginning, is having that puzzle element just makes things so much more exciting. It gives everyone such a fair opportunity because Chris smashed it back to the beach first. But seeing them try to work through that puzzle and seeing them struggle, it was just so refreshing to see. I really loved it as a Survivor fan. The fan inside of me just says, yes, this is good. And it's why puzzles are important. Like, we saw one group of people completely smash the challenges pre-merge, whereas actually now post-merge, we're seeing a different group of people that are actually smashing the challenges. And I think, you know, the the producers have seemed to take the feedback on board that there needs to be a more varied group of challenges pre-merge. So hopefully we get that next season. But, like, if this was in the first half of the game, we could have seen a totally different outcome for the whole season. Ren, let us know. Is this one of the puzzles that you 3D printed? I, it will be. I, d- <laughs> I know that you have the bats. The bats vertical puzzle, that's quite a common one, isn't it? I don't think I'd seen a turtle before. We've seen a turtle puzzle before, but not a vertical one. Ah, so a unique one. No way they could have 3D printed it. True. <laughs> it's a really tight race down the stretch between Nathan, Chris and Pegleg. Ultimately, Pegleg wins the immunity challenge and subtly becoming a bit of a challenge threat. Maybe not, you know, pure muscle and strength, but won two of these immunity challenges now um, and feels very versatile, um, which is, we don't want to make it about his disability, but great to see that a guy with one leg is, is winning so many individual immunity challenges. Absolutely. And I think Peg's just really a standout this season, just in terms of watching him do these challenges, watching how his struggles are, are, are different but similar and how each challenge is sort of changed slightly by him only having one leg and then his fake leg. And I just think it's really interesting just to watch someone choose to have all the challenges on the level playing field and how he his experience is different. I just think it, it's great to watch. With Peg winning immunity, we then get into the scramble of episode 14. Nathan immediately decides to just lie down. He pretty much says, Hakuna Matata, guys. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing I can do for my game right now is lie in the sand and trust that you like me more than you like Chris. And we do get a few moments in the scramble. Um, I thought a really interesting one was Leilani saying that she shouldn't have voted Doug. 
and her really identifying Chris as like this primary threat to everybody's game. What moments of the scramble, I suppose, really stood out to you, Matt? So for me, this whole scramble was about why are they letting Peg and Hannah seize control at this point? They obviously are in the centre of this. On one side, we have Matthew and Chris, and on the other side, we have Nathan and Leilani. This is kind of the last chance to do something about Peg and Hannah because obviously the Chris and Matt and the Nathan and Leilani sides are sort of warring. So whoever Peg and Hannah are going to vote for, that side's only going to have one person. And then they can sort of flip back with them to take out a person on the other side. They basically have full control of this situation. um, And it doesn't seem like people notice that. It seems like they know that they're the key numbers to get in order to pull off a vote. But it doesn't seem like they notice that they're the sort of chill medium that people aren't really too worried about. But they're not going to be able to break them up, really, without the use of an advantage. We go then into the Tribal Council of episode 14. Uh, The jurors walk in and there's one notable person missing. Uh, Lawrence has been having too much fun in Ponderosa. He's either way hungover or he's had a dodgy curry. (laughs) He is unable to attend his first tribal council as a juror. (laughs) Yeah, I think he must have had a wild first night at Ponderosa and uh, (laughs) gave himself some stomach issues. (laughs) He needed some of his own sort of survivor hangover cures to get there in time. (laughs) Yeah. In the actual tribal council itself, really refreshing to see Nathan and Chris seemingly have like this mutual respect for the fact that. We recognise we don't like each other, but you know what, props, we've both got this far. And, you know, let's see what happens in the future. And this is when Nathan delivers his line about he was going to play the immunity idol regardless because he didn't want to play a game hidden behind immunity idols and advantages. Yeah. Uh, It's not how you play Survivor. (laughs) 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 He he might have needed to go back into his uh, TARDIS, go back 20 years ago to US season one through five (laughs) see like i understand that nathan's saying that he doesn't want his entire game to be you know idols and advantages he wants to have got there off his own merit but also he's not taking the steps needed to be able to do that either (laughs) (laughs) he he really feels like he has a winner's chance do you think he legitimately has a case like let's say he gets to the final three and it's a favorable final three do you think his narrative of I was good in challenges, I was loyal, and I played an honest game. Do you think he was a threat to ever win? I think, as you said, the the key is who he's there with. I think there are winning scenarios for Nathan. I know I said with Bandit on the pod that I didn't really see many, but um, given the jury's reactions to him in this tribal council here, I do think they were kind of eating him up, especially, obviously, with the idol play the previous episode. They seemed to really like that as well. So I do think... He was proving that he was being at least active on a level in the game. And I think that people do respect Nathan. And I think, you know, if he won a few challenges, if he managed to get there against all odds, if he became this sort of underdog figure, I do think he ha- he probably did have a chance at the end, especially against, like, Leilani, maybe. Depends, obviously. I think if Hannah and Peg control the game from here on out, then I think he probably wouldn't be able to beat them at the end. But I think if he controlled it, you know, he probably would be able to beat them as well. Um, I don't know that he'd be able to win against Matthew. Depends if how some of the jury feel about his decision to flip. And with Chris, I think it's that toss-up again of 
do the jury respect Chris? And I think they probably would. So I don't know that he'd beat Chris necessarily. Agreed. And speaking of jury reactions, when Leilani says that she's played the game <laughs> building organic friendships and, and meaningful relationships, Ash's reaction was amazing. <laughs> she looked ready to go over there and have a pop. Like, <laughs> Honestly, like... <laughs> I, I, I think this must have been a bit editing trickery here because I don't think Ashley would have reacted like that to like Leilani's face where she could have seen her do it. You know, I don't think they've been set up as necessarily people who have any major issues with each other. So I do think this was probably a reaction at a different point that was moved in here. But I think what is that is telling of is that the edit is telling us that Leilani is probably not going to win this game. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, this was amazing. And it, if it wasn't editing, if that happened in real time, and you can see everyone looking at kind of Ash, you can just tell that she's been complaining about Leilani at Ponderosa or yeah. in Jury Villa, whatever we're going to call it, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, no shot. And really nice that I think the jury feels like that. That feels earned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a good indicator that the jury is going to respect uh, more aggressive gameplay as well, which I like. We then get everybody going up to vote individually. I thought it was an amazing moment where Nathan is voting Christopher and he says, quote, shame we didn't get to know each other sooner, close quotes. Mate, it's been 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> You've had lots of time to get to know each other. And I think that tells us just how much time Nathan and Tanuke were spending together. Yeah. And that tells us why they were seen as this sort of duo. I mean, I know Tanuke was branching out socially more than that, but I think Nathan probably was just sticking to his Calaton group, plus like maybe Doug, who he had that connection with from uh, the new Calaton tribe. So, yeah, I do think... Nathan socially had probably let the ball drop a bit. And I think, you know, if after speaking to Chris for a few days and now he's decided that he likes him, you know, if he'd have done that before, <laughs> like maybe like something could have happened and, you know, he could have worked with Chris and he could have remained in the game longer. I agree. Very, very insular. My, um, my brother and sister growing up, they were convinced that they only liked to eat pasta and cheese. Yeah. So I have these memories of like having beautiful dinners that my parents would cook and looking at my brother just eating pasta and cheese. <laughs> like, and eventually he tried different food, and hey, he liked food with flavour. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar to Nathan here. Um, <laughs> his, his confessional wasn't the best, though. Hannah delivered one of the best confessionals whilst at the voting booth um, that we've seen on Survivor UK. Whilst voting Nathan, Hannah talks about how She'd really seen a new side of him after him him and his ego had had the immunity idol and that she was glad to see the back of him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this was wild. I mean, I feel like they must have not showed something because, like, this seems like, considering what we've seen on screen, a slight overreaction from Anna <laughs> to... Obviously, Nathan was cocky about it, but, like, I've never seen someone's cockiness rile someone up this much like i feel like there had to have been something that we didn't see here yeah firm agree we go to the votes ultimately and it's a really clear four two splits um nathan becomes the person next person voted out of survivor uk and the sixth member of our jury i wasn't glad that nathan went but i was glad chris stayed and i was also glad that that meant that people were starting to see the game as something more than 
I don't like this person, you know, let's get rid of them. They could see the strategic use in keeping that person around. So I thought it was a good step forward. I was genuinely surprised. I was genuinely expecting a really simple vote out of Chris here. So the fact that people were thinking a bit more strategically was really refreshing to me. Quick in Requiem of Nathan, how are we going to remember him? Nathan's someone that if he'd have known what the game was about a bit more when he came in at the start, I think he'd have probably played a bit differently. And I think he probably would have a bit more upside there was, you know, we saw at the start of, you know, episode 13, how he'd started to play a bit more strategically with trying to accept Matthew back in instead of just throwing him out. I think there's potential for Nathan that we're probably not going to be able to see. I think Nathan will definitely be remembered as someone who has incredible laughs. <laughs>, <laughs>, <laughs> I, I think he's someone who is obviously loyal, maybe to a fault. I think definitely for me, I'll definitely remember his letter um, from home as being the best letter on Survivor UK so far. And also, I feel like we're going to remember his kind of, his challenge prowess, even though that wasn't really something that was probably real. It was more perceived than real. Yeah. I think it's something that we'll think about. He's definitely, for me, a lock to come back in another season. But I also think he's kind of a lock to finish in the same place. Unfortunately, I don't see a huge amount of growth in his game if he were to come back. I think he'd understand the game slightly more, but it's not his sport, maybe. Yeah, two things on that. So I I agree that he would probably play a similar game because, you know, Nathan's someone that's a very principled man. You know, he he believes that he wants to be an honourable person. He wants to play the game honourably. And for someone that's that's such an intrinsic part of his personality, I can't see that necessarily changing. But I think even if he did change his game, I think he still finishes in probably a similar position, just because he would become too much of a threat. You know, the thing with Nathan is he's such a big guy that the fact that he wasn't playing so strategically probably helped him stay in the game a little bit longer, because even though he was threatening, he wasn't threatening on too many levels, whereas I could see him being like the, the mega ultimate threat if he was to come back and play hard strategically. We're left, though, with this final five. Chris, Matthew, Leilani, Hannah, and Pegleg. And we talked about it a little bit, that throughout episode 13 and 14, the Hannah edit has really been building. And we're at real risk here, and I'm using the word risk probably slightly strongly, but we're at real risk, I think, of having a final three of Hannah, Pegleg, and Leilani, which... You know, if that was on your fancy, <laughs> your fancy bracket at the start of the season, you know, fair play to you. But this is becoming a real possibility and a likely possibility that these could be the final three. Yeah, it is, and I think most people would feel a little bit down on that, and that that's probably unfair to the three of them. I just think the edit has a not really shown Hannah, b not really shown any of them strategically. I don't think any of them are necessarily. Pre- played heavily strategically i think in all three cases it's a case of learning the game as they go along when you're at a final five against two people who have made big moves and have been sort of main characters on the show if that was the final three i think it would feel inescapably underwhelming there's a very clear direction isn't there for episode 15 either Leilani is going to be the swing votes, which is terrifying. <laughs> or they all gang up on Leilani as the easy votes, 
Um, it's all or nothing for her next episode, but in my mind, the people most at risk are Chris and Matthew. Agreed, yeah. The thing is, not only have they started to play strategically, but I think they do genuinely have an understanding for the game at this point, and I do think they understand that Chris and Matthew are the biggest threats left, and they're not really just going to leave them in because they can. Like They probably are going to at least get rid of one of them. The other one might win immunity and go on to win, or they both go home before the final three. I don't want to be too much of a hypocrite because we were calling out for big moves at the merge and even pre-merge. And this is kind of what happens when the people who are kind of in the middle, stroke on the bottom, make a big move, the people on the top go. And we're left with kind of some of the the fair to middling players being some of the people that we see at some of the final tribal tribal councils. So I don't want to be too much of a hypocrite. In a way, this is kind of the final three we asked for by being so hungry for big moves. But I also want to put my cards on the table. If we do have a final three of Hannah, Pegleg, Leilani, beyond getting some really salty questions from the jury, I think that's going to be a really tricky episode (laughs) to watch and to kind of find people to root for in that scenario. The thing is, when this kind of thing usually happens, they tend to demonise the other people to try and make it feel rewarding that that person's won. So, for example, the first season of Australian Survivor. And they kind of haven't done that. I mean, to be fair, they have kind of tried to make Chris the villain. But I think fans of Survivor itself have just found Chris to be the most rootable person. Because he is playing the best game. So, yeah, it's hard to see how it turns out. And that's not to dunk on any of the three of them. I think, you know, Hannah's someone who I found her confessionals over the last two episodes to actually be quite interesting. I'm interested to see how her game develops and what her winning argument would potentially look like at the final tribal. With Peg, obviously, great character. Loved him across this season. A really just great guy. And if he were to win, to be fair, I would I would be fine with a Peg win, I think. like It wouldn't come out of nowhere because we've seen that yeah. people like him. We have seen him make some strategic moves, so I'm okay with that. Leilani... I mean, Leilani's just a great character. I, I think she's probably going to get to the final three, and I'm fine with that. I, I, I'm really excited to see what she tries to argue as her like statement on why she should win, because I do think it could be very interesting in terms of does she try and take the I've not stabbed anyone on the back angle, or whether she just tries to say, you know what, I was a little bit laying back. I didn't understand the game, but actually now I've started to learn it and I've been stuck on the bottom, but I've still managed to get here. Will she try and argue that underdog arc? So it's going to be interesting, but it will kind of, just because of how they've edited the season as well, it will be kind of underwhelming if the three of them get to the end. Yeah. I think we're definitely in a US survivor territory where it's whoever makes one move at the very end becomes the winner or whoever hasn't upset the jury whoever has upset the jury the least. And obviously the 16th of December, we'll have both episode 15 and 16 of Survivor UK, and we will know who the sole survivor will be. But before we get to that point, we're going to release another cracking episode this week, breaking down the final five, and again, going a little bit more in-depth into their potential journeys to becoming the sole survivor, and really what narrative would convince us as viewers that they really deserve that win. Matt, overall... Any other thoughts you wanted to chuck in? This merge has been really exciting. I'm hoping that the ending manages to stay on that level, regardless of what happens and who gets to the end. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to see where the ending of this season is going to go. 
Yeah, I think it's really important to stick the landing. We saw really recently uh, Squid Game, the challenge that was released by Netflix. Uh, you've seen the last episode of that, haven't you, Matt? I have, yeah. Wow, 20 minutes playing rock, paper, scissors. That was, <laughs> that was a lesson in how not to stick the landing. Bizarre choice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're really rooting for Survivor UK to hopefully stick this and be really successful. Um, and from us on the pod, that's not going to be all. We're really hopeful in terms of bringing you Survivor UK content throughout the post-season. Matt, for the people, where can they follow us? And they can follow us on Instagram, at the sit bench, all lowercase with full stops in between. And they can follow us on X over on at the sit bench. And the best thing you can do to help podcasts grow is to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Um, and take the time, send the podcast to someone you know and love so they can hear our beautiful silky voices <laughs> as they fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but from me and Matt, that's everything. See you next time. See you next time, guys. Bye.